This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we are going to be learning about one of the staple businesses in agriculture. So if you know whether you're a farmer or you're a homeowner, you might know of the brand Rainbird. So today we are specifically going to be talking about Rainbird agriculture and all of the solutions they provide for farmers, whether they're sprinklers or drip irrigation, and really kind of all the science that goes behind designing these sprinklers so that they are as efficient as possible and that they are delivering just as much water as the crops need without wasting a lot due to, I don't know, overwatering, evaporation, all that good stuff. So we're going to be chatting with Greg Palumbo from Rainbird and learning about the history, how they started off, like what their initial sprinkler design was, and then how they are also helping with water issues in states like California where farmers and even just consumers are having to fight through all the droughts, all the water issues, and so obviously farmers need water to irrigate their crops and products like Rainbird help to do that as efficiently as possible. So this is such a cool interview. Um, Allie and I have a Rainbird irrigation system at our house. And so it was actually really cool to talk to somebody from Rainbird specifically, Rainbird Agriculture, and learn about the history of this cool company. So I hope you enjoy it. And again, if you're new here, consider subscribing, consider sharing with a friend or family member. I hope you learn a thing or two during this episode. I sure did. And I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, Greg, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, man. How are you doing? Doing great, Trevor. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to chat with you. So you are with Rainbird, specifically Rainbird Ag. And I've got to be honest, I have a Rainbird sprinkler system at my house. So big fan of Rainbird. I know how important you guys are to, you know, homes, home buyers, also agriculture. So before we kind of start talking about Rainbird, tell us how you got kind of started working with them. You know, that's a great question, Trevor. It really goes back all the way to, to the 90s. <clears throat> I was going to school back in Indiana University in Bloomington. You know, and I had aspirations to, to go to medical school. I got a degree in biology with a, with a minor in psychology. And I thought, you know, that 
you know, it makes money in the summer times. I'm going to mow some lawns. So I started working for a company called Nature's Link. And we got started, uh, who was still around there in Bloomington, Indiana, with Lester Anders. And, you know, we got started with uh, installing irrigation systems. And I remember the first time I installed an irrigation system, Lester dropped me off at his house with a pile of parts and a Vermeer LM42 and said, hey, install one of these. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing, but that uh, it, I caught the bug at that point. And I kept working on irrigation. I kept working landscaping. And eventually, Rainford kind of found me. Uh, they recruited me, and I, I moved out to Northern California there to be a salesperson. Uh, and, and that's how I got to to Rainford. So I've been here for 18 years, and I've had a bunch of different roles. I, I worked in sales roles, marketing roles, and product management, and I have had a chance to move all across the country for Rainbird and be involved in domestic sales and international sales and all kinds of operations and manufacturing. So it's been a great experience. I got uh, the opportunity to move back to California back in 2016 to take over our agricultural division, where I've been here now for the last six years. So it's just been a really exciting ride so far, and I'm thrilled to to be a part of our growing agricultural business. That's awesome. And I, I mean, I feel like Rainbird is one of those, like, I don't know, cornerstone companies in agriculture. And so what's kind of like the real quick history of Rainbird? Like, when do they start off? And then when do they kind of like branch off into agriculture? You know, great question. And I'm glad you said quick uh, here because I could go on and on and on for days here. <laughs> We'd probably run out of time. But the, the history of Rainbird is really kind of exciting, but it is based in agriculture. You know, we got our start in California's agricultural boom back in 1933. So where I'm sitting right now in Southern California, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles County where you know, we have our office based in Azusa. Uh, but the agricultural boom that was occurring there in Citrus, you can still see the remnants of it all over San Bernardino County and Los Angeles County, which is kind of really cool if you poke around in these odd places and corners. But we got our start there in the Citrus boom in 1933, actually in agriculture, uh, with the commercial commercialization of the first horizontal impact sprinkler. So you know the, the sprinklers that go that you see all over the place and all over the world. That's really where we got our start. And then when you think about branching off, well, we started in Southern California solving problems for local growers and citrus fields to use water more efficiently with the brass impact when traditional methods were flooding. And ever since then, you know, even in that beginning time, our, uh, our innovation was uh, brass impacts or sprinklers with slightly different angles or different nozzles that did slightly different things that made them more suitable for different applications in Southern California. And then eventually the rest of the United States and eventually the globe. We talk more about the evolution of sprinkler products later. But what happened was, is a lot of the people in agricultural farms kind of noticed that, hey, this is pretty effective. So it kind of caught on on golf courses too, where a lot of the first uh, other non-agricultural applications were in golf courses here in Los Angeles County uh, back in the 1930s. And then people would golf on uh, irrigation course, uh, courses that were irrigated in golf. And they say, you know, I want this for my home. As we look at the boom that occurred after uh, World War II with people coming back and, you know, the pop-up of subdivisions and other homes, people wanted to have green grass for their own yards too. So you can really see the evolution of our products there where people seeing it say, hey, I want this for my application. And that's really helped us. So we've taken advantage of those situations and uh, those situations uh, have been fantastic for growth and for our global expansion. Yeah, that's awesome how it started off as an agriculture product and then it found uses in golf courses and then at home. So it's really cool. You can see kind of how that technology kind of drifted from big time farms to smaller golf courses to even smaller houses. So that's so cool. And I mean, what would you say? So it, you said it went from flooding the the citrus crops to sprinklers to now maybe things like maybe drip irrigation. Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen 
ever uh, increasing evolution of more and more efficient farming techniques, right? Going from flood irrigation to sprinklers. Uh, and now a lot of uh, the permanent crops and the high value crops are irrigated with, uh, with drip line. You know, a lot of people look at drip line and they see just a, a boring blank hose on the outside. And, you know, a lot of people can make an extruded drip line. But what's really cool is an innovation that goes into the emitter that actually mm -hmm. controls the flow of water from the line to the plant and the consistency and the accuracy of application that these emitters can deliver. These are highly engineered pieces of equipment and, uh, that get extruded into these drip lines that have helped farmers uh, grow more and more and more with even less water. So we're helping increase crop yields. Uh, we think Dripline is a fantastic product for us, and we continue to innovate in that area with things like smart spacing. You know, smart spacing is a technology where we skip an emitter every now and then. So as a as a farmer might try to establish plants, you know, you don't want to necessarily water the area in between where there's no roots. Mm -hmm. uh, so we enable them to do that, which will help them grow uh, more. Uh, they can grow more acres with the same amount of water, or they can grow the same amount of acres with even less water. Uh, so that's been a really cool technology. But, you know, Dripline is not, perfect for every application too, as we see some of the water constraints and challenges we have in California, we see more salty wells, we see more salty water applications and uh, still overhead sprinklers play an important part in helping us flush or push salts down through the root zone here where drip irrigation isn't as good at doing those kinds of things. So really the, the broad array of sprinkler uh, and low volume drip line products is really helping growers in California in more, you know, globally uh, irrigate more efficiently and get better yields with the same amount of water or less water. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you say that some crops work perfectly with sprinklers versus some work perfectly with drip and kind of vice versa won't really work really well? Yeah. And this kind of gets back to something that I, I want to mention here. I really admire the grower. I really admire the farmer when they're thinking about making a 30 year bet on how to plant their almonds or how to space their almonds or just what crops to grow. They've got to make hundreds, thousands, if not more decisions that, that they have to kind of make that decision and move on from that decision and move on to the next one. So when we think about what irrigation or what type of irrigation do we use at any particular farm, there's a lot of factors that go into that decision, right? There's the crop that you have. There's the actual geography of the location where you are, the terrain, certainly the soil uh, Water quality plays an important part there too. So what we really focus on at Rainbird is making sure that we have a broad array of options that can help growers grow effectively, you know, regardless of what their growing conditions are, or the crops that they want to grow. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. And this is kind of in the science of things. And I'm really kind of curious about this. Um, what would you say? Because I know obviously in California and around the United States, like water issues are a huge thing. And so what would you say, like with sprinklers and your engineered sprinkler heads, like what would you say is their efficiency? Like how much of that water is actually hitting the crop versus, I don't know, evaporating while it's going from the sprinkler to the crop? So what's kind of the science behind that? Well, we've been manufacturing. So, you know, you look back almost 90 years ago, we got our start shooting water with brass impacts. Uh, we've innovated over the last 90 years. And what we do now is we highly engineer deflectors to precisely control where the water lands. So as water leaves one of our sprinklers, you know, we got this thing, I'll use a marketing slogan here, rain curtain technology, but it's more than that. It actually drives our product specifications to deliver good close and watering, even water distribution in large droplets to get all the way out to the end of the stream. So they aren't affected by wind and we can make sure that the water gets where it needs to go. But a good irrigation system with sprinklers, uh, we can achieve over 80% distribution uniformity, meaning we only have about a 20% loss uh, in the irrigation system, which you know might sound like a little bit, but we're talking about historical applications where distribution uniformity maybe was only 50% effective uh, or lower. 
So we continue to push the edge here. There's certainly systems that could be uh, precisely designed and engineered that can get you well into the 90s in distribution uniformity. Uh, but one of the, the neat things that we make sure we focus on here at Rainbird is just the, the engineering talent in the hundreds of years of experience that we have cumulatively with our engineering groups that make highly efficient nozzles that control and deflectors that control where the water goes. That's really cool. So it seems like there's a lot more that goes into it than the common person might think. I mean, you guys are specifically engineering these to be as efficient as possible instead of just like, you know, just putting as much water as you can out there, which is what I I don't know. Some people might think they're just like, oh, they're dumping a bunch of water out there. That's it. But I mean, these are being specifically engineered to be as efficient as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned here for the layperson to take a look at agricultural applications and folks might say, oh, my gosh, look how much water they're using. But growers today the majority of them are very focused on sustainability and are amazing stewards of the environment and are very efficient in their water use practices already. Uh, and we just want to continue to help provide them tools to be able to be as efficient and continue to get more efficient into the future as we see uh, more uncertainty related to water supplies in California and abroad. Yeah. And c- kind of going off of that, I guess this is kind of like a two-part question. Like, what best practices would you have for either farmers using your technology or even like homeowners that have a sprinkler system? Like what are some best practices, maybe some sustainability things that they could do to where they're watering their lawn, they're watering their crops, but they're not using enough. They're not using a lot of water, but they're being as sustainable as possible. So like what best practices do you have for them? So that's a great question too, Trevor. And I'll go back to my time as a landscaper and all the time that I spent here at Rainbird. Uh, And just one of the things I want to make sure that's broadly known is the value of landscaping itself. Uh, We take a look at our landscape business and as we irrigate homes, as we irrigate open spaces and parks, that uh, there's a tremendous beneficial impact of irrigation and keeping trees healthy for decarbonization. Right. Mm -hmm. As we know, trees are very important to decarbonizing the world. And we want to make sure more plants, uh, more trees are planted. But we also want to make sure that we even in these restrictions we see in California, that we effectively irrigate trees to make sure that uh, they continue to live. You know, turf grass can get a bad reputation. We can tear it out when there's more water. We can replace it. But if a tree dies, uh, replacing the value that that tree provided takes decades so we really focus right now on trees. In fact, I'm going to do a little shout out here. We've got a really cool story on YouTube uh, where it features an incredible story, storyteller, Elliot Bramble. He, this guy travels all around the world, all around the world, and for Rainbird here in the United States, and we have a, a series, a docu series called Tree Stories, where we actually show uh, really important trees throughout history and how they've been saved. It's a really neat stories. Uh, so I would encourage anyone listening to this to go take a look at Rainbird Tree Stories there. Uh, So we're really promoting saving trees here. But landscapes are also really important to uh, combat urban heat islands. You know, urban heat islands, if there's no landscaping uh, with asphalt, with buildings, can really store a tremendous amount of heat uh, and dissipate that heat at night and therefore increase the temperature of the environment. You know, there's been studies that show that having good, healthy landscapes and not just myriad of turf grass, but good, healthy landscapes can actually reduce the urban heat island effect by three degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. You know, as we and we as we hear in the news all the time, you know, two degrees uh, Celsius or you know makes a big difference on climate. Well, absolutely, uh, having a healthy landscape environment within urban areas can also have a tremendous benefit on localized heating effects too. So, getting to to agriculture, what is my advice there? <clears throat> is you know before you even think about irrigating, is know your land, 
know the mm-hmm. crops that you want to go, talk to experts, talk to neighbors to understand what the best practices are. You're investing a lot of money, you're taking a lot of risks. Then once you make those decisions, really investigate what the best technologies out there, really think about the efficiency of products. Be willing to invest a little bit more in highly efficient products. Uh, make sure that irrigation isn't considered a commodity, but that the design of the irrigation, uh, the subsurface uh, structure of the irrigation system, make sure that it uh, is capable of delivering water consistently to all areas of the field. And then use uh, the most water efficient irrigation as possible. Hopefully, you know you choose rainbird irrigation, but there's a lot of great options out there uh, in addition to Rainbird. Yeah. Do y'all have like consultants maybe that go out there and kind of specify like, hey, maybe you should use this system to be as efficient as possible. Like, is that a thing y'all do? Yeah. We have a lot of salespeople who have spent their entire career in agricultural irrigation, landscape irrigation, or golf uh, golf irrigation. Uh, We got a lot of people that work internally at Rainbird too, that have been consultants. So Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get in contact with us. You can go to our website at rainbird.com. There's customer service numbers that you can find there as well to get in contact with a local specialist. Uh, and we spend a lot of time helping select the right products and making recommendations for any type of application uh, for growing any type of uh, thing in the world. Now, I was thinking about this because, you know, anytime you think about irrigation, I'm, I'm here in Florida. And so one of our popular, I guess, inventions that we had in Central Florida was the tree teepee a couple of years ago that was on, um, uh, I guess, Shark Tank. And so, I mean, what are some cool, exciting trends you've seen, whether at Rainbird or even just kind of in the irrigation space that are kind of addressing sustainability and water issues? Like, what are some cool inventions you've seen in the past? Wow. You know what? Tree teepee. I, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank and I haven't seen the tree teepee yet. So I, I, I missed out on that one. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting is necessity breeds innovation. And I think what we're seeing right now in the current environment with uh, water uncertainty, lack of available water in areas mm-hmm. where we absolutely need it, especially here in California, that these types of situations breed innovation across the board because we have to find new ways to keep doing the same thing we're doing. We're feeding the world here and we can't stop doing that. Uh, but kind of getting back to the past, what are some things that we've done? You know, uh, things that have been fairly innovative. We talked about uh, technology and deflectors and the mechanical little parts and pieces that we had that help direct water, but also other features that we build into products. You know, uh, other manufacturers have this, but pressure regulation is a really big deal all the way down to the sprinkler head, whether it's agriculture, whether it's golf or whether it's landscape. These sprinklers or any sprinkler is really designed to be most peak efficient at a specific pressure. And if it's higher than that, it'll be highly inefficient. It could spray water all over the place. It could do things you don't want it to do, and it could break. So one of the things we want to make sure that we do is we give uh, people options and ability to have pressure regulation, which equalizes the performance of every sprinkler at its uh, peak performance level. So that's been a really big deal, too. Check valves that are installed inside of irrigation, things that prevent the water from draining out of the lines. You know, it really helps to reduce the amount of water waste, but also in the bottom of slopes, as we take a look at agricultural applications, the bottom of the slope typically ne- is next to a road. So you don't want all that water draining next to the road and getting all kinds of phone calls to the city or municipality saying, hey, this grower is wasting water. So we want to keep the water in the lines to make sure that uh, that's more energy effective. It's more uh, effective for irrigation, but it's also helps avoid some of the, the issues that you might have uh, getting a bad reputation. So those have been some other innovations. You know, other agricultural innovations or uh, landscape overall, we could take a look at controls technology. You know, Rainbird pioneered controls technology with the invention of the MaxiCom system, which gave uh, was the first computerized control of irrigation systems. We've really been inventing and innovating ever since then. 
you know, in the agricultural space today, you do see a lot of investment in ag tech and drones and planes and satellite imagery and, you know, any other myriad of uh, novel technologies. And uh, you better believe that at some point, Rainbird is going to adapt some of their high end control systems to these agricultural applications as well. Yeah, the drone system thing is really cool. We went to the, I think, the Southeast Regional Fruit and Grow Fruit and Vegetable Growers um, Conference in Savannah, I think in January. And we saw this really cool technology with this drone that, you know, would fly over your crops and it would use like infrared cameras and it would check to see, you know, which crops are growing well, which ones are stressed. And so you can literally see like the outline of like your irrigation or sprinkler system and see which parts are needing more water because of the drones. And then I guess you can change the layout, add more sprinklers or adjust it, add different heads. So it's so cool that all that stuff is kind of, I don't know, coming out of necessity, really. It's so neat. Yeah, all that stuff is being born out of necessity. And for a grower, if you're looking at what are my options here, you know, there's a thousand different manufacturers today that are making these cool things. Some are going to stick and be around and they're always concerned at risk of some of these manufacturers going away and, and not being there. Uh, but I think that what you're seeing right now uh, is, is you're seeing a big open space for innovation. One of these products is really going to stick and one of these products is certainly going to uh, to really capture some some market share. But Right now, there's a lot of options out there. So if, if growers are looking for solutions or have questions, certainly uh, feel free to reach out to us too and might help point you in the right direction. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, even thinking about like the landscape or the homeowner side of things, like I see people all the time, like I drive by and I hate seeing um, sprinkler systems going off at like 1 p.m. And I'm like, it's in the heat of the day. Most of that water is going to evaporate or, you know, a sprinkler is like it's going over the area and it's either in the road, like you were saying, or it's on the driveway. And I feel like a lot of people think that a lot of sprinkler systems are just set it and forget it. You don't ever have to go back and adjust it. But then a friend of ours has um, one that's lined up with an app. And so he can control all the sprinkler heads, what time they go off, how much they cover through an app. And it's so cool that that necessity is happening, even on the homeowner side of things where you have so much more control, really because you can be more sustainable and more efficient with your water. Because I mean, water bills are pricey. I mean, here in Florida, it's super pricey. So I only want to run the sprinkler system and use as much water as we have to, not anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about that, if I'm a homeowner and I see my sprinkler going off at uh, you know 4 p.m. and water running down the road and I'm going to have to get up and walk into the garage and turn a dial or remember to do it. I'll do it tomorrow. And a lot of times you forget and it just keeps going on and on and on. Right. So yeah, absolutely. We've seen a proliferation and explosion really of available options for uh, sprinklers that can connect to your Wi-Fi or to Bluetooth, or it could be internet enabled so that, you know, if you see something going on right now, or even if you, you're, you happen to be a traveler and you've been gone for a week, you're, oh my gosh, my sprinkler system, you can get right on your phone and you can make those changes, which, uh, I think that that alone is helping save a ton of water. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that whole thing about convenience. I mean, it's very convenient and you can do what you need to do. But kind of going off of that, like, have you heard any big issues going on in California right now that you guys are trying? I don't know whether it's legislative or something like that about in terms of like saving water quality. Yeah. Wow. Have we heard of anything in California? Oh, my gosh. If, if you watch the news, you can't escape it. You know, every single night, if you're watching the local news or playing B-roll of uh, sprinklers irrigating and talking about the uh, the water situation that we have here in California. So, so absolutely. You know, we do support uh, associations like the Irrigation Association, the IA, who advocates on the behalf of all manufacturers. You know, I don't necessarily get involved in legislation and political issues. What we're really focused on at Rainbird is providing water efficient products, solutions, and education 
to give growers options, to give landscapers options to water more efficiently, right? We're, we're in the solutions uh, business, making sure that we provide that pro- the products that can help people out. Uh, but, but sure, you know, you take a look at the water uh, availability here in California after two years of drought and what's looking to be a, like another La Nina year here, a third in a row uh, for this winter. And yeah, absolutely. You know, we're concerned and, and we're thinking about that. Yeah. And thinking about that more than just products, but also how that affects our communities and how it affects our growers all across Central California, along the coast and here in Southern California. You know, California is a unique state in the fact that there's so much infrastructure that's dedicated to moving water around. 75% of the water falls north of Sacramento, but 75% of the water is used in Southern California. So we got to get that water from the north all the way to the south. And if you're really interested in this, you could go on a really deep dive here on the internet about a state water project, the Central Valley project, the system reservoirs that we have up in the Sierras and how we get water from point A to point B. Really, to say it another way, where do we need water and how do we get it there from where we have it? Uh, and that's not even to mention you know, getting water in Southern California that comes from the Colorado River. And again, I don't think anyone has to stray too far from the news or television or headlines to see what's happening at Lake Mead. So we're very aware of, of all of that. Uh, and one of the big concerns that we have is if we are still in a water situation where we're constrained, it's going to take even more electricity and energy to pump and move water from where it isn't, um, mm. from where it is to where it's needed. So having water efficient solutions also helps alleviate a lot of uh, fossil fuel consumption. It helps alleviate a lot of energy consumption too. So having the right products to to make sure that uh, growers can use water as effectively as possible is is really what our focus is on so that we can play our small part in helping uh, with that situation. No, I bet. And I mean, I've heard of a bunch of different projects. Like there's one, I don't know what river or canal it is, but they're planning to put solar panels above it to where the water is not evaporating from there, which is very interesting because you can cover the water. It's not going to evaporate, but you're also getting energy outputs from those solar panels. And I know there's a bunch of other ones, which is really cool. And I mean, even the, I guess like the black plastic balls they've been putting on the top of canals to keep birds coming into and to keep water from evaporating. So, I mean, there it goes again, like more ingenuity to kind of help reduce kind of all these issues going on. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. If we were able, if we hopped in a time machine right now, Trevor, and we fast forwarded 10 or 15 years into the future, I think things are going to look a lot different. I I really do believe that. I think there's going to be advances in technology for things that are going to help reduce the amount of uh, ambient evaporation that you're getting from the canals. There's going to be more solar uh, you know, and if you look at areas in California, that's really important. We have a lot of sun. That's one of the reasons it's a, a great area to grow because we know what I could tell you what the weather is going to be like next uh, October 1st, well, probably <laughs> or been pretty close to it. So it's very predictable growing patterns. But uh, if you think about what you mentioned here is putting solar panels over canals. Well, if you're going to put solar panels where the water is and you're going to be pretty darn close to the farm. I think these are all great ideas that will contribute to a, a better future for for the growing communities. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, maybe even in the future, I, I saw this TikTok where this guy, it was, it was a very heavily edited um, video, but he had like a, a hose cutoff valve and he made it look like it was like a Bluetooth hose where there was no hose on there and just water was coming out freely. I'm like, you know what? Maybe one day we could have something like that. That'd be kind of cool. But I don't know. Maybe th- that need for innovation always happens. So maybe that'll happen. You never know. 
Yeah, well, everything on TikTok is real, as I found. And, oh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> Nothing is fake on TikTok or social Nobody's media, faking. really. Nobody's faking anything. Uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of creative things people are doing to extract water from the ocean, desalinate it, or even from the atmosphere. Uh, you know, the, the atmosphere is a large ocean of moisture that's around us, you know, certainly not as much as in the ground. But you know, there, there, are, there are sources of water uh, that are available to us that technology will enable us to grab. Oh, yeah. And I mean, kind of going off of that, I can't remember the name of the company, but they're using the, I don't know, some crazy technology where they're bringing in, they're getting proteins out of the air. Like they're getting protein out of water in the air and out of the, um, I don't know, ozone. I, I don't know. It's really confusing, but it's really cool. Like, I don't know how they're getting free protein out of the air. So you never know what will happen with ag tech. No. <laughs> you never do. I can guarantee you there'll be innovation. Oh, a hundred percent. And so, I mean, from somebody, you didn't really grow up around agriculture, did you? You know, I grew up, my, my great grandparents were well drillers in Indiana. So I come from Indiana and you can't help but notice it as you're driving around Indiana. You're, if you're driven around the, the Midwest and seeing all the open fields of corn and soybeans, uh, you just can't help noticing that kind of thing. But no, I wasn't directly, uh, didn't grow up on a farm necessarily. I grew up around farms, but, uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know farming and getting mm -hmm. to know the, the growers in these communities and uh, kind of wish that I had. Yeah. I mean, kind of going off of that, like what have you learned a whole lot about the agriculture industry, like working with Rainbird? I mean, what kind of, what did, did you change your mind about anything? I mean, what kind of happened there as you gotten more and more involved? That's a great question. You know, I think the, the one of the things that I really notice is, you know, it's more about the crops that are grown, but the people mm -hmm. in agriculture are, are just fantastic. They're, they're hardworking. Uh, they're honest. Uh, they're people that uh, I think really care about what they do. I, I think, you know, any, anybody can have a job and you might be passionate about it. You might not be passionate about it, but boy, I tell you, these, these growers and the, their employees and the people that work for them and the work that they do, they're passionate about it. They care about their neighbors and their communities. And, you know, I guess I could have expected that getting into this business, but I've really been impressed as we've gotten to know more people in this business that uh, uh, just a, a great group of individuals. I bet. And I mean, have you seen like a lot of adaptability, like with them either trying to use new products or just trying to figure out, hey, we need to diversify or we need to change up for sustainability reasons? Have you seen a lot of that? You get a mix. You know, some people just, you know, if it works, I'm going to keep doing it forever. Uh, other people are early adopters of technology. Uh, but one of the things that, that we see right now is we do see migration of crops and growing, right? There's anyone who's going to kind of pick up and move from the Central Valley and maybe grow berries in Mexico or grow grapes mm -hmm. north in, uh, in Oregon or Washington. When they do that, they're certainly looking at, hey, if I'm going to move land, I'm going to look at new technologies too. And really, those are test beds right now for innovation as people are looking to to kind of migrate to different areas that might have uh, suitable growing conditions for their crops. As we see growing conditions change um, through, uh, you know, as we see climate changing in a lot of areas. So absolutely, we see a broad spectrum of folks that are willing to try new technologies and some that are just really happy to keep doing what they've been doing because it works. Um, so what we're trying to do as a company is, is focus our people on making sure that these new innovations that, that we have are adopted more readily and uh, can help save water. Yeah. And I mean, kind of going off of that also, like what, I mean, how, what are you guys doing to get the word out there? I mean, obviously social media, obviously your salespeople, like what have been some really good steps and practices y'all been using to help get the word out about Rainbird, sustainability, water issues and all that? 
You know, that's a great question too, Trevor. I, I'm going to put another plug out there right now for our Instagram page. If you're interested about the products that we have, the, uh, our people, you can go to uh, rainbird underscore agriculture and please follow us on Instagram. It's updated frequently and you can really see our products in action showing up to the field uh, in, in our, who some of our people are. Uh, I think it's a great spot to learn more about us. Uh, but how to get a word out there. You know, we've Rainbird is often thought of if you ask the person on the street, what does Rainbird do? Well, they make sprinklers for my yard. So it's been important for us, even though we got our start in irrigation almost 90 years ago in agriculture, it's important for us right now to really focus on helping customers recognize in our agricultural communities that, well, Rainbird also provides a lot of agricultural solutions. So over the last year and a half, we've done a lot of marketing and we've tried to make sure that we get our message out there to the grower community that Rainbird is an agricultural irrigation company too. So if you're in local growing communities in California, we really started focusing there with uh, really great marketing campaigns put together by Stacy Webb, our, our marketing manager. Uh, we're going to deploy those to other areas in the U.S. and deploy those to South and Central America here over the next several months. So hopefully people there begin to see more of this. Uh, and we're really excited because Rainbird has really started to invest heavily in product development in our sales staff. And that's why I'm excited to be here and why I came to agriculture, because we want to grow this business, you know, globally, agricultural irrigation uh, opportunities and the billions of dollars. And we think we can play an increasing role in that market by getting our message out there. So be looking for our message out there. Certainly, we have a lot of information on our website about sustainability. You know, we're not just about uh, saving water, but we really do focus on saving water and how that affects energy consumption, but also using a lot of recycled materials in the products that we manufacture, mm -hmm. too. So we help divert millions and millions of pounds of plastic from going to the landfill by putting a lot of those product, uh, those plastics back into our products and going out into the field. Yeah, I'll be sure to link everything in the description, your, your website, Instagram, and, and that tree video also on YouTube that I got to go check out. Cool. Um, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, like, what's the international side of Rainbird? Like, are there any, like, what are some trends you guys are noticing internationally and kind of how, how is that going? Well, we're celebrating two pretty cool birthdays this year, Trevor. Mm -hmm. uh, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary from being in Europe. So having a subsidiary located in Europe uh, and our 20 year anniversary in Mexico. So we're located all over the world. Uh, we sold products into to every single uh, continent, probably with except for Antarctica. We, we're still looking for a distributor down there. We haven't found one yet, but we're going to keep looking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible joke. Uh, but we have expanded globally because there's been demand for the type of products that we manufacture. Right? We, we were the first to commercialize that impact sprinkler back in 1933. And it really grew from there, from word of mouth across the United States and eventually overseas. So we're seeing right now uh, continued development and in industrialization in a lot of nations, which is requiring a lot of landscape irrigation. So we have a, uh, an enormous sales force that's located all throughout the world, focused on providing those solutions to dealers and to customers. Uh, for agriculture, you know, we absolutely have a significant business overseas uh, with our sprinkler products and you know, we're excited about continuing to build on that and providing new products with broader global appeal to do even more. That's awesome. And I feel like Rainbird is one of those like go-to brands whenever you think about irrigation, whether it's agriculture, or home use, everybody. I feel like most everybody would know about Rainbird and kind of their impact, which is really neat. Yeah, we've got grant, great brand recognition as I, you know, we sit here in the agricultural side of our business. And one of the strengths that we have is we can say, hey, we're Rainbird. You know, that carries a lot of weight with it. And, you know, that's been earned. And I I think now of, uh, you know, one of the cool things about Rainbow is a privately owned company. We're mm. on the, uh, the third generation of leadership right now. So the founders, Clem and Mary Lefebvre, uh, 
manage this business until they passed away. And then their son, Tony Lefetra, was our CEO and president for, for many, many years. Uh, and one of the things that he had always focused on, and he unfortunately passed away last year, but he focused on reputation, brand equity, but also quality. Mm. Uh, there's a ton of specs that we have at Rainbird that say, if you have a bad product, don't sell it, don't develop it, don't put it out into the market. And I think that's really helped us build a reputation over the years and his uh, disciplined leadership uh, and proliferation of that concept and thought within our organization uh, has, continues on today. And we make sure that quality is number one. So safety, number one of our people, and, and our, uh, but definitely quality, number two, to make sure that we have good products to go out and feel that work every time. You know, anyone who's listening to this can imagine opening up a box and a product is broken or it doesn't work the way they wanted it to and what kind of an experience that creates. So we want to make sure that we have a good experience and we've really built our reputation on quality. Yeah, I, I feel like now, I mean, because of stores like Amazon and you can get whatever you want, whenever you want, however many things you want. I feel like a lot of people are kind of focusing on quantity instead of quality now. So it's good that there are still some businesses out there that are focusing on the quality of their products and wanting to deliver to consumers time and time again. Yeah, we're constantly investing in new technology. You might not always see it in our products, but new technology and manufacturing and new equipment that helps us be more efficient and more effective and more reliably build products. So we're constantly innovating, whether it be on the product side or the operations and manufacturing side with new equipment uh, as well. And I think that is going to be a focus for us well into the future. And I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to our next 90 years. Kind of going off of that, like, what, what do you see as the future of Rainbow? Like, what do you think is going to happen in the next 50, 75 years or something like that? What do you think is going to happen? Man, I wish I had that crystal ball that helped <laughs> me be more prepared, Trevor. Um, I think that we're going to continue to grow in agriculture. And we have a pipeline of innovation right now that we're working on that, you know, I'm really excited about that's going to be everything from controls technology to new sprinklers to innovations in drip line where you know, we haven't really seen a lot of innovation over the last uh, decade or two in emitters and emitter performance. So you know, there's a lot of things that, that I'm excited about right now that we're going to be providing better solutions and better options to customers. But man, if I had a crystal ball, I think that there's going to be uh, increased use of drip lines, low volume water products, mm -hmm. but there's always going to be a, be a demand for uh, high performing sprinklers. Uh, and we'll certainly see probably more integration of controls into to broader uh, systems, integrating with uh, home control systems or integrating with building control systems to kind of make it an all in one control system. Well, the future looks bright. The I mean, future. more... Oh, yeah. I mean, addressing kind of more sustainability, more products. So it'll be cool to see what you guys do. And I've been following you guys on Instagram for a while. And yeah, the content you guys are making are awesome. I love how you're kind of educating people about not only Rainbird, but kind of how sustainable ag is and kind of what you guys are doing to address water quality. So it'll be cool to kind of see how that kind of continues in the future. Yeah, and I'm really excited about the things I'm not even thinking about or not even expecting, right? If we could jump in that time machine, like I mentioned earlier, and go 20 years in the future, I really think what we're seeing right now uh, with, with the uncertainty in water supplies, it's really going to be a testbed for all kinds of new technologies. And out from that, we'll pop out some new technologies and maybe new companies, hopefully hopefully Rainbird, uh, that uh, becomes and stays a market leader in many of the spaces where we are today. That's true. Well, Greg, this has been awesome. Um, again, if people want to follow Rainbird, see what you guys are doing, where can they go to kind of hear your story and see what's going on? 
So first of all, going to the website, uh, we've got a lot of videos on YouTube as well. If you type in Rainbird, you can see a lot of videos. If you're a listener at home, you have questions about your irrigation system, just type in Rainbird and the type of product you have. And you can find all kinds of helpful content online to kind of show you how to adjust your sprinklers, how to uh, how to find sprinklers. Uh, but certainly, if you are interested in the agricultural space, there's no better spot right now than Rainbird underscore agriculture on Instagram to see what we're up to and see what our people are doing. Deal. Well, we'll link all that below. And Greg, it was a pleasure chatting with you. We rescheduled a couple of times because you were sick with COVID. I hope you feel better soon. I'm glad you're on the mend. So good luck getting better. Hey, I really appreciate that. I'm feeling better right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to having a good rest of the year here. Trevor, thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. It was a blast, man. Talk to you soon.